Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast, where we tackle real issues by examining the lives of real people and extracting real life solutions that are rooted in the wisdom of God. This is your host, Olaomi Brigway. Hey, this is Allow Me, and I'm sure you can hear the happiness in my voice because it's always a pleasure. <laughs> it's always a pleasure for me to come and record this podcast and just share them with you. I want to say thank you for being a subscriber. Thank you for being a regular listener and definitely thank you for sharing these podcasts with friends and family. Um, I, I was talking to someone a couple of days ago and I didn't know that they listened to my podcast and apparently, um, their sister listened to it first and basically just, she was like, you know, she's been sharing it with everybody <laughs> and tell everybody you need to go and listen to the super abundant podcast. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much because, um, they say that it's not, it's not just about what you do. You need a community. Um, it takes a village to raise a child meaning nobody is an island. God places people in our lives to help us. So I really do appreciate that. And I do not, I do not take it for granted. Right. So today I'm talking about something that is my all time favorite topic, um, in the whole world. It's something that I can talk about for 24 hours straight. Don't worry. I won't, (laughs) but it's, it's something that I'm absolutely passionate about. It is what defines me. Um, it is what, um, I literally, I, to, to be bold. I think it is what I was placed here on earth for to be bold. All right. I, I can go as far as being bold, you know, about that, that, that is as, you know, that is the level of conviction that I have regarding what I'm going to be talking about today. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. You'll find out shortly, but I've titled it. Yes, you're working hard, but on the wrong thing. And the tagline is the real secret of breakthrough. We all want breakthrough. You all, you want a giant, you know, you want a giant, you want to take a giant leap. Nobody likes the feeling of staying in the same place. Um, but what we've also been told is work hard and you will get whatever it is you want. Just work hard. That's, you know, that seems to be the idea that I've been sold so many people, but then I'm sure you can, you know, if you look around you, you can definitely identify people that, you know, have been working hard, but then there's not really much to show that correlates to the amount of hard work they have been putting into, into whatever it is they're doing. And let's not even go that far. Look at your own life. Can you seriously think of an area where, you know, I I've put so much effort into this thing, but Hey, the what's whatever is coming on the other end is just so disappointing. Um, so we're going to be talking about that today. You're working hard, 
but on the wrong thing. All right. Sounds very cryptic, right? That's intentional. (laughs) And I will build up into it as we go into the podcast. But I want to start with a story, a story that you probably know, um, most likely, if not definitely know. In 1912, a ship called the Titanic was built in England and it was the first of its kind. It was big, it was strong (laughs) and it was fast, right? You know, it was, it was supposed to be, um, the shiny big new thing, right? Um, in terms of being able to travel across the Atlantic ocean. Um, and we know about the Titanic just so, you know, in case you don't know some of it, some, you know, details about it, the Titanic was three football fields long. So in terms of the size, right, it was three football fields and 17 stories high. So a 17 story building. That's how high, how tall it was. So it was massive, it was big and it was fast. It was going to complete the, the its maiden voyage from Southampton in England to New York in record time. It was fast and they were able to do it, right? The captain was confident that they would at least shave off 24 hours one day. Uh, other, sh- other ships prior to it would make the journey in about seven days. The captain was confident that he could make it in six days and he was well on track to be able to make it. But then I think about the fourth day, I believe it's the fourth day into the journey. They were traveling at speed because the captain knew what the ship was capable of. Um, and he was literally using it to its full potential on the fourth day, they hit an iceberg. Now the thing about it is they knew. So the crew knew that the water that he, it was so cold that there were icebergs in the water. So it wasn't a question of whether they didn't see the icebergs. All right. They saw them and I'm pretty sure from a distance, they may have even seen the one in particular that they hit. All right. It wasn't for lack of visibility or lack of sight. But the thing about icebergs is they say approximately only 10% of an iceberg is visible on the surface and the remaining, the bulk, the 90% is hidden underneath the surface. So I can imagine the captain thinking, oh, that little thing over there, it doesn't matter. See how big we are. See how strong we are. I mean, we're talking about three football fields, 17 stories high, traveling at speed. He probably reasoned and imagined in his mind that if it's that thing that we need to overcome, this tiny 10%, then, hey, we have the capacity and the ability to be able to do it. And they kept going thinking, thinking that the ship, all right, was big enough to be able to dislodge or break or crack up um, the iceberg and literally just, you know, blast through it and they would be fine. Which is what a lot of us actually think (laughs) with regards to when we approach um projects or areas of our lives. So that was a mistake. That was a fatal mistake that led to the destruction of 1,500 lives. 1,500 people approximately died on the Titanic on that fateful day. Why? Because the captain only saw the 10%, all right? And judging by the amount of strength that they had, Do you understand? If it was only about the 10%, then he was absolutely right. The ship was big enough to blast through what he could see, which was the 10%. So he thought that if I can just apply the strength that I have to deal with that 10%, in fact, it was overkill. 
it was absolutely overkill but that's just the 10 percent the 90 percent that is hidden beneath the surface that is invisible to the eye was really where the threat was and as a result of that they you know they hit the iceberg it pierced the you know the what's it called the body of the ship there's a word is it the hull um and we we know i'm not going to go into all that but here's the point i'm making when god began to show me and began to so literally when i talk about these things if you've listened you know long enough to the podcast you will know that a lot of these things come out of my conversations with god when he begins to literally you know shine light on my own darkness as in this is this is where you are and this is how dark your life is and this is the reason so it was literally god beginning to show me and this was the picture of what he showed me it was the picture of the iceberg you see everything you can possibly do on the outside is only about 10 percent the 90 percent that is invisible to the to the to the eye so that is not where you can touch taste feel etc right that is more about the internal barriers the internal beliefs what you believe about yourself the mindset that is the 90 percent but human nature is that we tend to like the captain of the titanic you put all your energy into wanting to dislodge the 10 percent so someone says i want to rise in my career i want to go to the next level and they immediately begin to say right let me go and work on my cv let me take these courses etc that is all well and good if you want to go from level one to level two tweaking things and putting all your energy on the 10 percent will get you there but if you're saying i want to make a giant leap i want to go from level one to say level five or level ten then it is definitely going to be much more than saying i want to go and take a couple of you know courses or or do extra training it is much more than that because the level of thinking that is required where you're going at level 10 is miles miles away from your current level of thinking there are certain ways you see yourself that will automatically limit you to where you are and will keep holding you there preventing you from going to where you see yourself going simply because simply because it is impossible to override an image that is formed in your heart all right so 10 percent versus 90 percent. so that's why i said yes you're working hard I speak to people all the time and even in my own life when I notice that I'm stuck on something for a long time it's not that I'm lazy right people are not lazy well some people are but generally people are not lazy all right they're working hard they're doing everything they know to do they're in, you know they're investing energy and effort just to want to you know break through to that new level However, they're working hard on the wrong thing. They're only focusing all their energy, all their effort, all their resources on the 10%, the external. The same way the captain of the Titanic judged the iceberg by only the 10% and said, look how big we are, look how strong we are, and look how fast we are. We're definitely going to be able to blast through this 10%, but that was a fatal mistake. Now, here's the truth, all right? Hard work plus, let's say, poverty mindset. What do you think that equals? So, you know someone that is working very hard, 
all right they may even um have gotten some form of promotion at work they've increased their income etc but the truth is you keep working hard if you have a poverty mindset it still equals poverty at the end of the day even if loads of money comes into your hands you'll find a way to either hoard it so there are two there are two ways that a poverty mindset would um manifest itself so you either hoard it that you can't even enjoy what you have because you are constantly afraid that you will lose it so you hoard it right you're making loads of money but you hoard it and you don't have the quality of life of abundance or you fritter it away money will just pass through your hands like water right so hard work plus poverty mindset is still poverty Let's take marriage for for example. So someone says, "Oh, I love my husband. I desire to have a good marriage. I want I want it to work, right?" But if their mindset is is rooted in divorce, no matter how hard they work, right? In that marriage or on that marriage, that is where they're going to end up. Unless 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 they know how to actually begin to change what is rooted in their heart. So that's what I want to talk about today, right? It's a it's a it's a shift in the way that we approach things. Like I said, it's fine if you just want to make a few tweaks in order to maybe go from level 1 to level 2. So I, um I just, you know, I, I this is fine. I'm, I'm happy at this level. I know how to deal with this level. I want to make a side, side, sideways move at work, for example, um, just to be able to maybe increase my income a little bit. Yes, the 10% is absolutely necessary and that will get you there. But I'm talking about where someone says, for example, I'm single and I've been single for a long time and I want to get married. That's a giant leap. Someone says, oh, um, I'm earning uh, a certain amount of money and I want to 10 X my income or my salary. That's a giant leap. You're not going to get there by only focusing on the external. The 90% is good. It's like an anchor. Literally it will keep you there until you tilt it in the direction that you want to go. And it is only then that the 10% will really do its work, which is to help you get there. I'll give you an example. All right, from my own experience. Now, a lot of you will know that um, for for several years, uh, I taught in secondary school, so children ages eleven to eighteen, and I taught maths, so maths, further maths, A level maths, GCSEs, and all that stuff. And one of the things that never ceased to amaze me, or and you know, I taught in different kinds of schools. There were kids of you know different um, abilities. They used to call them. Uh, one of the things that always, always sort of intrigued me was people, particularly with maths, all right? I don't know why. People have this fear, <laughs> fear of maths that, no, I can't do maths. I just, I just don't get numbers. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. And you would have children, all right? So, for example, that were not doing very well in maths, right? And you will say to them, you could see them working very hard to that they're doing all the homework they're practicing and i in fact i let me let me narrow it down i remember one particular student that i had she was so lovely she was lovely she was hard working she was diligent right there was nothing you gave her to do that she didn't do and not only that she always went over and beyond 
in lessons she's absolutely she will you know she'll smash whatever she would understand so no miss i really i i get this you know i get this and she would answer the question she will apply it but then if you come back in the same lesson and say right i'm going to give you guys a test as in literally 10 minutes later it's you you could almost see her eyes glaze over like everything she could confidently do 10 minutes before she would suddenly not be able to do it and she would fail so she was consistently failing regardless of how hard she worked and she was not this was not an isolated case i've had parents at parents evening come to me and i'll say like you know your child um they could in- improve this what they can do to improve and parents will automatically tell me oh he's just like me or she's just like me i've never been good at maths and you know she's not good at maths as well so that that's what i mean by the 90 percent and uh, this particular girl i knew that listen this is not about getting her to work harder knowing what i knew at that time i began to work on her mind I began to show her that there's no reason if you can do well in English and excel and get an A star in English, you most certainly can't get an A star in maths. Of course, at first she didn't believe me. It was a battle, but I was, I was determined. I began to work on her mind. I began to chip away at the 90%. I began to, you know, speak words and to show her and to build an image inside her to transform that 90% from the place where it was literally acting as a, a dead weight, an anchor holding her and tying her to like E's and D's and F's. And I began to shift it and painting an image of her as someone that is, you know, able to achieve an A star in maths. It took a while, it probably took me a year. But we achieved it. She went on to get an A star in maths. I mean, what am I talking about? My own daughter, Maxine. Maxine, you know, for and can you imagine? <laughs> Your mom is a math teacher. Your mom studied electrical engineering at university. I'm like, how can you tell me you can't do? <laughs> so we used to have all those arguments. I know you can do maths. But she wasn't really hearing me. Sometimes you just need to hear it from someone. And I know that heading into our GCSEs, Maxine, you know, hard worker. Maxine works hard. No, no matter how hard she worked in math, she could never really go above a seven. So the highest grade is a nine, which is A star star. She could never really, she'll get a seven and, you know, she's like, oh, mom, that's fine. That's an A. That's a distinction already. What's wrong with that? But when she saw someone um, and... Um, I talk in detail about this in the episode um, titled Your Child's Journey to Academic Success. So I I give more detail in that. Um, But basically what helped Maxine, what changed her mind was she was able to see it because someone else achieved it. So a friend of mine whose daughter um, went on to get straight nines. So A star star in all her subjects. When Maxine heard that, And on top of that, I told Maxine that, do you know that this person that got a nine in maths, her mom contacted me a year before her GCSEs and wanted me to help her with her maths because she wasn't doing well in maths. So when she saw that, when she she was able to put it together, right? Like, oh, so she wasn't doing well and she was able to do it. That means it's possible. It was that simple shift in her mind, the 90%, right? Once the 90% was in the right place, the 10% was easy, right? The 10% was easy and she went on to do extremely well in maths. What's my point, right? Most of us, unless you have keyed into this thing that I'm talking about today, 
you will expend energy you will you will do everything you know to do you will run around you will you know talk to people you will go and sharpen this and sharpen that and all that but if the internal beliefs right have not been identified and changed to fit what it is you say you desire it doesn't matter how hard you work you will not get there and that's the truth you will not get there how do i know okay let's go into the bible i'm going to show you from the bible that what i'm saying is the truth is right it's not a very easy thing to swallow uh, but it is the absolute truth. So I'm going to show you an example from the Bible. I'm also going to show you an example, um, maybe a couple of examples from my own life and from people that I've observed as well. You all know about the Israelites, right? The very famous Israelites and their problematic behavior. Those guys, I mean, the, the Bible says that God was grieved. They re they honestly, they pushed God's limits cause he was, he was angry. <laughs> He was angry. I was like, what is wrong with these people? Right? So they, they first almost, if God could get frustrated, right? So they grieved him. We all know about them. They came out of Egypt. They saw all the miracles. They saw everything. Now at the edge of actually getting into the promised land. So God showed them, said, this is where I'm taking you. They had a desire to go into the promised land. All right. They had the desire. And the thing is, we confuse that and say, like the captain of the Titanic, I have this desire to be able to get to New York at the, at the time that, you know, I want to get there. We'll get there faster. Listen, because I'm big, because I can deal with the 10%, I will definitely succeed. All right. So the desire is there and they had the desire, but here's what happened. So when God told them, this is what's going to happen. They, they sent spies, the spies came back and they realized that, oh, they're giants in the land. This is how, so I'm reading from numbers 14. This is how they responded. All right. Just stay with me. I want to show you why it is not about what you do on the outside. When it comes to making a giant leap, honestly, you're better off not doing anything on the outside for a while and only directing all your energy into the inside. It is worth it. So it says, then all the community raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. So when they, when the spies came back and said, it's full of giants that are going to kill us. It says, and all the Israelites murmured against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had perished in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us into this land only to be killed by the sword that our wives and our children should become plunder? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Isn't that interesting? Because what, 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 listen, okay. So answer this question. What do you think was the internal image that they had? And that they said it out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I always say that I only need to sit down with someone for half an hour tops. And we're having a conversation for me to locate where they truly are, because you will, you will say something that would tell me this is where this person is in terms of what they believe about themselves and about that situation, right? It doesn't take that long. So they said it by what they said, you could locate where they were. 
what they saw was, listen, we're going to die. It is better to actually die in the wilderness than to go into the promised land. And God's desire for them, God's will for them was to go into the promised land. So that was their image. All right. Don't forget that. So the 90% was pointing towards either returning to Egypt or dying in the wilderness. Okay. Now let's fast forward after they, you know, God, um, heard everything they said and God was angry and God said, look you know, to Moses, look at this people. Why are they behaving like this? And Moses basically told them off and said, why are you, why are you, why are you acting like this? God is there. He can help you, etc." So they were a bit remorseful that, oh, maybe we shouldn't have, you know, behaved like that. Now, guess what? They now said, uh, it says that when Moses reported the Lord's word to all the Israelites, they were filled with grief. So they were sorry. They were sorry. All right. Then they got up. Listen, if you get this, honestly, if you get what I'm going to say now, you will never be stuck again in your life. Honestly, this liberated me all those years ago. It literally liberated me. So now I was telling someone yesterday that now if I don't achieve something, if I find myself stuck, I have to go and check my desire level. It means I'm not really keen on that thing because I know what to do. Okay. So it says they got up early the next morning and went to the top of the range of hills. Let's go. They said, we realized that we have sinned, but now we are ready to enter the land the Lord has promised us. So they, with the 90% <laughs> still anchored in, we're going to die in the wilderness. We are not able to take the land that God has given us. It is better to return to Egypt. That was the 90%. That was their internal belief. Without dealing with that internal belief, <laughs> they now said, listen, the 10%, which is the external is sufficient. So they said, let's go. What did Moses say to them? But Moses said, why are you now disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. Why? Because like the iceberg, the 90% is what determines what happened not the 10%. The 10% is necessary, but the 90% is the bulk of it. That is where the bulk of your hard work should be channeled into. So it's reverse. That's what the Bible calls carnality. To be carnal is not oh, like you're a sinner or something. To be carnal simply means all that you are concerned about are the physical, natural things. So what you can taste, what you can smell, what you can touch. So you only concern yourself with the external, with the external, right? So for example, someone says, I want to break through in my finances. I have a desire to, to be a millionaire, to be able to, you know, um, start all these charities to be able to help people, da, da, da. but then they grew up with a poverty. There's a poverty mindset that is anchoring them to the place of lack. And they said, okay, so this is how I'm going to do it. Like the Israelites did. I'm going to focus on the 10%. So the saving, the budgeting, the making sure I can account for every, every pound that I spend, that's 10%. No matter how much you do that, if the 90% is anchored in poverty, you will never break into that level of finances that you desire. So they said, let's go. But Moses said, are you kidding me? It won't work. It won't work. It can't work because your mind, what you believe about yourself is that you will die in the wilderness. 
But they didn't listen, oh. These people were, were very similar to them. God is, if not for the mercy, <laughs> if not for the mercy of God, eh? God, there's something you say in Nigeria that, ah, okay, I'm going to say it in Yoruba and then try and translate it. Say, Oluwa, Olorun Kusuru. Meaning God is, ah, you are very patient. Because this, this human beings, eh? Us, this man, the angels looked and said, what is man that you're mindful? Right? God is very patient with us. No matter what people say. God is so patient with us. So they said, no, we're going. They didn't listen to Moses. They said, no, we're going. All right. But the people continues in Numbers 14, defiantly pushed ahead toward the hill country with 90% rooted in, we're going to die in the wilderness. Okay. So they said, oh, I want the desire. I'm going to go ahead anyway. I'm going to exert my energy to do it anyway. Right. And even though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant left the camp. Do you understand that? So what that literally means is they were not positioned in the place. So you have to get there first before you get there. Does that make sense? So they had to first of all see themselves, the image that they had of themselves. The 90% had to first of all be rooted in the promised land before they could actually go and take over the promised land. But they were firmly rooted in, we would die in the wilderness. And they said, oh, as long as we can do the external, which is only 10%, we will get it. So they didn't listen. And what was the outcome? It says, then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Homer. Imagine that. Isn't that what a lot of us are doing? You say, I want to work on my marriage. So you try all this thing. Let's sit down and talk about it. You keep talking about it. Okay, let's invite somebody to come and talk about it. But there's an image that says it can never work. It can never work. Men are this or women are this. Or you have a specific image about the person you're married to that is contrary to what you say you want. That is completely opposite to the desire. So if you have an image that your husband is not a good person, for example, this is just me throwing it out loosely. But you say, oh, I desire for my marriage to be good. How? It's impossible. No matter what you do to try and, you know, address it on the outside until you change that image of how you see your husband, it would never work. It's the 90%. So we spend so much time and energy, like the Titanic, it gathered all its strength. It increases speed to try and address it on the 10% level. And it was fatal. That's what we've been doing. That's what we have been doing. I want to share a quote that I read in, in a book. Um, uh, the book is called Winners, and it's a collection. It says Winners and How They Succeed. It's one of the best books that I've read in a very long time. So if you can get your hand on that book, I would certainly recommend it. And it says, and so this is a direct quote from the book. It says, Baseball's Joe Torre says, Just because players have great ability, all right, remember, Titanic, strong, all right, you have all the external figured out, you're, you know, you're pumping in terms of energy and effort and all that hard work on the outside. It says just because players have great ability, it doesn't automatically mean they're winners. I came across plenty of prayer players who had ability, 
but they were happy to settle for mediocrity. That was good enough. So that's talking about the 90%. If the 90% is rooted in mediocrity, no matter how good you are, all right, externally, no matter the ability that you have, that 90%, that mediocre mindset will always limit. That's what this guy was saying. All right. It says that I came across players who had ability, but were happy to settle. And as a result of that, they never, ever went ahead of, they never went to accomplish what they were truly capable of. He says that Jer- Derek Dieter um, was not the most talented player in the world. So this was also a baseball player. But when it came to the will to win and the will to lead, he was something else. That, now notice this, pay attention to this, says that is an intangible. You cannot put a number on it. The mental side is what makes the difference. Attitude and mindset. The world calls it attitude and mindset, but God calls it belief. What is your belief system? If your belief system is rooted in poverty, if your belief system is rooted in, oh, I can never do anything right. If your belief system is rooted in, no matter what I do, I can never get ahead. No matter what you do, truly, you will not ever get ahead. Because that, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Because that is the production center. That is a production tender. I call these things conforming beliefs, right? I call them conforming beliefs. So you have positive conforming beliefs and you have negative conforming beliefs. Romans 12 two says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning if you want to experience transformation, now transformation is you are one thing and then you become something else. So I'm not talking, let's be clear. I'm not talking about inching forward, okay? Just wanting to take a little step forward and continue to inch forward. If you if you want to break the ceiling, if you want to say, listen, uh, I've been stuck in this particular situation or on this level for so long and you have been doing everything you know to do, it's nothing to do with the outside. Stop, just stop, sit down and let the Holy Spirit begin to unveil to you what is the 90% that has been anchoring you to that level? Because until you identify it and you address it, you're not going anywhere. No matter how hard and how much you push on the outside, no matter how hard you work. I've seen this happen in my life in almost every area of my life, if not every area of my life. <laughs> okay? So you must start from the inside. You must start from the inside by renewing, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So you need to get a new mind. First of all, when your new mind is anchored in your new level, then literally the physical follows. The physical will follow. But the challenge is a lot of people don't know how to renew their minds. The Bible teaches it. There's a clue in Joshua 1, it says to meditate on the word of God so that you may observe, then you do. So it's the internal first, you observe, so you see yourself in this new level, then you now do. So the doing must first follow the being. It's not the other way around. We try and do to become, but no, you become and then do. That's the order, that's the way God created the universe to function. 
All right? Says, let there be light, light be. And then light was. He said, let us create man and ex- male and female, he created them. So they existed before he actually went and formed clay. That is the order. He didn't form clay and then say, let us create man. No, it's, that's the wrong order. You must begin from the inside. So it's inside out transformation. It's not outside in. That just leads to frustration. Okay. It doesn't, it only leads to frustration. Your darn leap would be impossible otherwise. And I'll give a couple of examples from my own life. Um, I remember, I think marriage is probably, you know, a good one to give here. So the thing <laughs> after, you know, with the season that I faced, etc., and I, I came out of that season and I was like, okay, I think I'm ready now. I think, you know, I, I want to get married. And, you know, you, you, you do what you need to do. You sort of, people give you advice. Okay. Why don't you do this? Why don't you, for me personally, all right, externally, I was, I was ready to get married. I mean, there was no reason why I should not get married. I'm not bad looking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had my, my finances were in order. I said, I said, someone would look at me and say, you're ready to get married. It's not like, as in, you know, you are ready. The external was fine. The 10%, as far as I was concerned, was fine. And yes, it was fine. But God began to show me and he said to me, actually, what triggered this? What triggered this? Because I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know the state of my own heart. I didn't know. So I thought, okay, I think I'm ready now. All right. I'm not going to like run around and go and start chasing a guy or whatever. But if somebody comes, I'm ready now. What I didn't understand. All right. So me, I was like, when somebody comes, sure. You know, I'll say yes, if there's the right person. But what God was saying to me and what he showed me was the someone self will not come. Why? Because you are rooted. The 90% is rooted like the Israelites in the wilderness. You have to, first of all, take that lumpy 90% and place it and go and root it first in a good, wonderful marriage before the person will even be attracted to you to come in the first place. That's what he showed me. And he began to show me and he began to unveil to me that your mind is rooted in the fact that you are damaged goods. He said, you believe that you're damaged goods. And he asked me a question. He said, if you go to the market hmm, and somebody lays stuff out on the table, like a vase, for example, and it's broken and the vase is broken and it's just like in pieces and they just put the pieces on the table and then they show you a picture of, of what the vase could look like and say, um, it's almost in like a thousand pieces and say, buy the vase. Will you not look at the person selling it and say, ah, Oga, is everything okay? Why are you trying to sell me this? Um, would you purchase it? I said, no, I wouldn't purchase it. He said, that's what you're trying to do. That's what you're trying to do. The picture of the vase represents your desire. But then the reality of what is rooted in your heart is the broken pieces. And you think somebody would just come up, take the picture and say, oh, as long as the picture is fine, that I will just collect it and then buy something that is broken. It's not going to happen. No, it would take years and years. You would think you're fine. You would think, oh, I have a desire. Everything around me looks fine. Why isn't the right person coming? 
and he lit he showed me and for me that was so liberating right when when you understand what i'm really saying you begin to jump for joy because it means that your destiny really is in your hands all this idea of just waiting on god it's not true why should we be waiting on god when before the desire even went into your heart he was already excited about it it doesn't make sense that oh i'm just waiting on you're, you're not waiting on god oh god is waiting for you he's saying i need you to submit to me to transform your heart so that you can exchange your thoughts for my thoughts and only then will his power be able to flow into that area of your life and that's what he did he began to show me and he said you don't see yourself as beautiful no matter what the external looks like I mean, you look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm, I'm quite pretty. I don't look that bad. But in my heart, I believe that I was damaged goods. And he taught me and he said, that is the aura. Forget the outside. He said, forget that 10%. Because he showed me the picture of the iceberg. He said, the 10%, that's easy. That's easy. That's supposed to be the easy part of it. The hard part is the 90%. If you find yourself running around and toiling to try and make something happen, you have missed it. You're putting your energy in the wrong things. And he said, forget that. Forget the outside. Ah, he said, you see yourself as someone that is not worthy of a good marriage. And he took me to scriptures and he began to show me that I need you to begin to see yourself as beautiful. I need you to begin to see yourself as a worthy vessel, right? And that's what I did. I took the word and I began to apply what I know, what I know about how to renew the mind. And I began to renew my mind using what he had used to help me come out of that state. And when I was in Lagos, um, episode one, I shared my story there to be able to come to United Kingdom. So I went back taking that system, which I call gems and applying it to renew my mind. And when I got to that point where my insides were now finally aligned with my desire. I knew that that's it. I've arrived. And true to God, it was literally a couple of months before the door opened. As in, you don't, that's, that is how it works. It is not the other way around. Right. Let me talk about my career. So I, um, I had, you know, gone from being, you know, a newly qualified teacher, literally within two, my second year of teaching, I was promoted into, into media, middle leadership. Now I was in the middle leadership and that's because I always saw myself, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why, but <laughs> I, I, is this ambition? I just see myself as a leader, as in, I don't, I don't understand it. Okay. But basically, um, I was not content to just being a teacher from day one. So I could see myself having, you know, doing more, being able to have more impact. And it happened almost immediately, right? Because my, my 90% was already rooted there, but now here's where the challenge came in. So this is a, an example for my career. I was a middle leader and I was doing extremely well as an outstanding work. I was working hard. The 10% was on point, on point, right? So I was, it was acknowledged all my performance reviews, outstanding, 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 outstanding. The teaching aspect, the leadership aspect, right. Was outstanding on all fronts. Now I said, okay, oh yeah, oh, let's go into senior leadership now. Maybe that's the next step. But then first year, first round of application, I was, I would always get invited for interviews, right? Because on paper, I, I had what it takes. The external was good. The 10% was fantastic. But then 
I would notice that I would go for interviews and they would always call me and say, you are not the right fit. I'm like, how can I not be the right fit? A thousand people would apply. No, sorry. Um, I was thinking about school, admi- school admissions. Like over a hundred, every post I applied to, they would say, oh, over almost 200 people applied and then we shortlisted only five. So if I was shortlisted as five out of maybe hundred or 200, how is it that every single time I was now being told that I was not the right fit. I'm like, something's wrong here. It kept happening. It kept happening. And then <laughs> God showed me, he reminded me. So he said, you are thinking, you're thinking, your 90%, your mindset, your internal belief is as a middle manager. And he said to me, the reason why when you show up at interviews, they, they, they sniff you out straight away is that you're thinking, you're thinking as a middle manager. So they will ask you questions and you will answer as a middle manager. There's a difference between management and leadership. And he showed me, he said, that's where the problem is. The external, the 10%, you're a hard worker, you are getting excellent, in fact, outstanding results, but it's not, it's not enough. That's the point I'm making. So I kept doing more. I said, okay, let me do this. Let me do that. So that if I even get better results, then that would be said, it's not enough because you, they will sniff you out because the 90% will always speak. And he said to me, if you're ever going to go into senior leadership, you need to go and you know, this thing. And he was basically like reprimanding me, he said, go and sit down, stop applying, stop applying, go and sit down and work on your inside. So I took the word and I again took my process, my mind renewal training <laughs> and I began to renew my mind literally. So by doing that, literally, I said, so I, I, I stopped applying, I stopped, you know, looking up or searching or even do, I just carried on with my normal work, you know, doing whatever I was doing in the middle management role, anything regarding senior leadership on the external, I just shut it down. I stopped, I stopped doing anything regarding on the external and I sat down and when the process was complete, I'm telling you this, I did not even apply hear what I'm saying. This is me over a period of probably three years. I had been applying, 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 applying. Almost every week I'm on TES searching, searching, applying. They'll shortlist me, come for interview. They say, no, it's not you. And when it happened, when I knew inside me that, oh, I now see myself as a senior leader, the 90% had been shifted from middle leadership to senior leadership. I did not even apply. I was literally called into an office and I was told this is the new road that we're going, we're placing you on the leadership scale. This is what's going to happen. And that was how it happened. So the, the external is always easy. I'm telling you effortless, literally effortless. So if you are grinding, if you are grinding, thinking that is where it is, you're wrong. You're working hard on the wrong thing. You're working hard on the wrong thing. You have to know as a child of God, how to exchange your thoughts for the thoughts of God. So when God is calling you into something higher, what we tend to do, right, is we tend to respond with the external thinking, I just need to start moving things around on the outside. No, that's a waste of time. It only leads to frustration because you will put a lot in and there's almost nothing coming out on the other side. And you're thinking, ah, isn't it supposed to be positive correlation, the harder I work, the more I should succeed. No, I use this example. You know, if you grew up maybe, uh, 
in Lagos, you know, in Lagos or, or similar cities, uh, I grew up in Lagos and maybe you're, you're, you're walking on the road or, or driving, you would see women, I mean, under the hot sun, hot sun, they've probably been up before dawn and they probably won't go home until after the sunset, right? Sunsets. Um, so maybe selling, maybe a tree of oranges under the hot sun. Even the ones that are in traffic, they'll be chasing. They're working hard. But would you call what they end up with at the end of the day success? As in tangible. Don't tell me those people don't desire to have a good life. Don't tell me they don't desire to have a home they, they can call you their own. Someone say maybe that's their version of success. Nonsense. They want the good things of life. They want to be able to send their children to school. But they are working extremely hard. But it's not about the 10%. It's not about the external. So if you only channel all your energy to moving things around on the external, you will always shortchange yourself. Because the work, the real work, is the internal transformation. That is where the real work is. I want to finish with something from the Bible that is, you know, again, so profound, so profound. And it, it outlines pretty much everything I have said in today's podcast, pretty much everything, how people will go to extreme lengths to deal with the outside. And when I say outside, all right, let's use career. So yeah, you know, for me, uh, what training didn't I? So I, I would I would do a course. I would read books. I would do all those external things. But none of those things, because I didn't understand that. Listen, I needed to change my mind. I needed to change the way that I saw things. Right? None of those things. I wasn't being intentional, so I didn't target it. So I I worked harder. I worked harder. I wanted to produce more results, so I, and I did because my my compass was tuned towards middle management. I was producing results at middle management. But until I realized that uh -uh, you must take the word of God, number one, you have to be able to identify the conforming beliefs that are anchoring you to that level, that are anchoring you to that level. You have to identify and then use God's words to smash it and destroy it. Otherwise, you can run around and do all you like, right? But what comes out on the other side will always be disappointing. And that's the truth. Now, this scripture is in Jeremiah 33, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to you know, sort of paraphrase to it to show you how God showed it to me. He says, um, Jeremiah 33 from verse 5 in the New Living Translation. So this was God speaking, all right, to the children of Israel. And he said, you expect to fight the Babylonians. He says, but the men... Of this city. So, sorry, pardon me. I, I've started from the wrong place. I'll start from verse 4. It says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Now, pay attention to this. It says, You have torn down the houses of this city and even the king's palace to get materials to strengthen the walls, so the walls of the city, against the siege ramps and the swords of the enemy. Now, that's the first thing God showed me. So they had done everything they knew. So they pulled down their houses. They pulled down the king's, the king's palace to, to basically fortify the wall of the city, right? The external, the external. They're like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to do all these things. They will not be able to break down the wall. But guess what God now said? 
in verse 5, he said, You expect to fight the Babylonians, but the men of this city are already as good as dead. On the inside, they were as good as dead. They were doing all that on the outside. I mean, <laughs> nobody, you know, standing from a fan observing would think that these guys uh, were not going to succeed. They'll think, oh, they're doing everything they can. They are really, you know, they're going for it. They fortify the walls, but God said they're as good as dead. And basically was saying, in fact, they will, they will, they will, it will be so easy for them to, to find a way into the city and destroy the city because on the inside, you are as good as dead. It doesn't matter what you do on the outside to try and fortify the external, right? It says that you are as good as dead and that is that. And that is that. Now, guess what God now says after that? It now says, nevertheless, Nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. So God was literally saying, this is what you need to pay attention to, the internal wounds. I need to first of all heal it. I need to first of all deal with that inside that is out of sync with the new level that you want. It has to start from the inside. He said, I will heal. So that is where God begins. He said, I will heal the wounds. And then I will give it prosperity. So I will change it from, oh, we're as good as dead to, oh, we will be prosperous and we're at peace. And now it says, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild the towns. I will bring me glory, honor, and um, joy before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good that I do for my people. They will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity that I provide for them. So he says, there's coming a time when everyone will be able to see how good I am to these people. But does it start from the outside? No, he says, I will start by healing you, first of all, on the inside. God always begins from the inside. God always begins from the inside. From the inside. Jesus said, I only do the things that I see the father do. Every single miracle that Jesus Christ did, he didn't, it didn't originate in the external. He said he had seen it. First of all, inside him, he knew what to do. When they presented the challenge of the 5,000 that were hungry, he said he himself knew what to do. So he saw the image. He knew the solution. Then he literally just acted on it on the outside. It can never be outside in. And it, all, it is always inside out. So you need to know, you need to be able to sit with the Holy Spirit and say, this new giant leap that I want, this new level that I'm going for, God, now I understand that it cannot be initiated on the outside. That is like taking the force of the Titanic and thinking, oh, if I can just deal with the 10%, we're fine. We know how that story ended. It's not about putting all your resources and all your energy to try and deal with the 10%. It will not move. It won't shift. You just find out year after year, that same thing that you say you want, you just keep getting transferred from one new year resolution to the next new year resolution to the next new year resolution. It's as simple as that. It really is as simple as that. And <laughs> this is what I have, you know, this is what I have dedicated my life to, particularly with Christians. I believe this is the reason why me, allow me, why I'm here on this earth, right? It is the process of the renewal of the mind. There is a process to it. 
There is a process you need to be able to exchange your old thoughts for the thoughts of God. When that happens, the external, all these things that we're running around, honestly, it becomes effortless because literally an idea, and I've had this happen to me so many times. I've seen it happen in the lives of so many people. Um, they will, once you get there, it effortlessly comes to you. You just like do something tiny and then a giant door opens and like, ah, how did this happen? That's because you were already there. So you have to, first of all, literally transport yourself from where you currently are internally to where you want to be. And then the body follows, the physical follows the spiritual, the spiritual gives birth to the physical. It is never the other way around. And this is my mission. I'm even not, I'm not even joking. This is my mission. Right, that every Christian we will know how to enter into our inheritance, not by running around, not by doing as the world, right? But knowing how to take the word of God, sitting down with the word and creating literally a new mind. A new mind. A new mind. Okay, so um <laughs> that is what I have come to share with you today. You're working hard, but on the wrong thing. If you find yourself being stuck on a particular level, despite everything you you know, you've done everything you know to do, but it's still the same old story. You're really, honestly, the simple solution is you're working on the wrong things. You need to literally leave that and go and focus on the 90%, which is the internal. All right. One announcement for me, my GEMS coaching program, the transformational coaching program, which is pretty much my day job. That's what I do for a living. Um, so it's where we're opening up a group coaching program because, um, I do one to one, um, throughout the year. And I also have my, um, mentoring community, but I open up the, the exact curriculum of everything I've talked. So clarity, being able to identify and create a, an, a, a picture, right? To know exactly what it is you want. It's not just desire, right? Um, conforming beliefs, which is what I've talked about today. Can you identify your conforming beliefs? Uh, most people can't. And even if you know what it is, do you know how to destroy it so that you literally unshackle yourself from that 90% and you, you harness it, it, it becomes transformed from, from an anchor into something that is helping you and giving you momentum and is pushing you into that new level. All right. And a few other things, the God factor, strategy and focus. But basically what I'm saying is the group coaching is going to open up in December, um, early December. So if you want to hear about that, uh, send me an email or if you don't already follow me on social media or allow me Brigway on Instagram, then please do. But probably because you listen to the podcast, the fastest way to f- learn more about this and to get on board, or at least if you're curious and you're like, okay, allow me, talk me through it. Then I'd very much love to have a chat with you. Um, because that's, that's, you know, that's the best way for me to explain what gems is. Gems literally is what took me from, if you listen to my story, episode one, from that place, what I tried to describe the young lady to where I am now, it's called Gems. And it's a system that has taken me from level to level, not just me, but several of the people that I've worked with, Christians, men and women. So if you're interested in that, shoot me an email and I will arrange um, 
a time uh, that's convenient for you, for both of us to have a conversation about it. And yes, thank you so much. <laughs> I hope this has helped you. All right. My intention today was to open your eyes. All right. Stop running around. You need to first of all, sit down, sit still and allow God transform you from the inside out. Thank you so much. And I'll be back next time. Bye.